0: On today's episode, how to train smarter for ultras with Dami Symington. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers, have another success story. Um, I've been receiving great feedback with uh, past success stories and a lot of feedback that we need more of them. (laughs) So uh, here is Danny. He reached out to me uh, several weeks ago now and if the name rings a bell it's because he appeared on episode 116 talking about his success story with shin splints. And we, um, that was back in like March, so we're talking about four months ago or something at the time of recording, anyway. Um, and he reached out to say thanks. He just finished an ultra marathon and thanked the podcast. And he had a few hiccups along the way, which we'll discuss, um, injury related, but was training smart enough and making wise enough decisions because of the podcast to continue and complete successfully the ultra. So. Um, he just sent out an email saying, thanks for, for everything you do. And then I replied and said, let's jump on another podcast and have another interview and create another success story. It was going to be a quick update, like a 10 to 15 minute conversation, which I was going to just slap into the back of another episode, but thought we'd dig deep, dig a bit deeper and turn it into a whole episode, which by the end of recording, I was very glad that I did more. Glad that I made that decision because um, it's a really engaging conversation with a lot of takeaways. And so, um, yeah, let's dive in. Let's take it away with Dami Symington. Danny, welcome once again to the podcast. How are you today?
1: Hi, Brody. Yeah, good. Thanks.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. Feeling good. Brilliant. Uh, Okay. So I'm uh, prompting people to go back and listen to um, your previous episode, but I thought I'd Run people up to speed. Um, just a bit of a brief kind of recap, if um, you don't mind. If I've I've got my list here with my book, uh, um, on pages. So, um, if you don't mind, just having a sit back while I'll just recap on people. So, yeah, when we last had a chat, we were saying that um, first of all, you ran in kind of school, gave it a bit of a break, started up again in your uh, in your twenties, um, started doing longer distances stuff. So, started doing a couple of half marathons. Then in 2017, training up for the marathon. Week beforehand, you got in a car accident, which um, left you with a lot of rib pain, so couldn't compete in that, but completed the the same marathon the following year. Um, And then it brought us, most of the conversation was around 2019 when training for the marathon again, um, you increased your mileage too much after trying to return back from an injury and was like, where do I resume my run program? And... Um, that that's when you sort of built up too quickly and started developing the shin splints which brought you onto the podcast to talk about your shin sprint uh, your shin splints and the success story along with it um the shin splints got quite bad that you know you had to it was quite painful with walking it eventually spiraled out of control where I was in you're in quite a lot of pain and quite a lot of um i guess your level of function was quite diminished um and then most of the podcast was the lessons that you learned around learning to run slow, um, your recovery, paying attention to sleep, doing a lot of strength rehab, um, learning to like run like what, what you said embarrassingly slow, but consistent. Um, and then follow on with the success following on from that. Your goal was to continue cause you're feeling really good, continue building up towards marathon, um, plans, marathon ambitions. And so since then, I think that was about, um, three or four months ago um since then how have things been going how's the training been going
1: yeah it's been been going really well um i carried on i was when we spoke last my plan was to sort of run a unsupported marathon distance and that's what i was training for but as lockdowns here started to ease they started to be more races come available and so I signed up to a 50k um after a couple of beers one evening it seemed like a good idea at the time and as you do <laughs> yeah yeah and set up a charity page at the same time for uh, a charity called papyrus which is a young person suicide um, charity in the uk yeah just to add a bit of um motivation to it and and i thought i'd just carry on with my training and tweak it tweak the plan slightly to add in a
0: few longer runs and see how i got on wow so yeah, decided to build up ambition, but then build up motivation along the same way. So obviously like a 50K, like you said, um, 50K trail ultra, very challenging, but then also sparking up the motivations with uh, with raising money for um, a youth suicide charity, which is yeah a great thing. I always recommend if someone can't find a lot of mo- motivation then make the motivation you know it's very easy to generate motivation if you have the resources so commend you for doing that um okay so building up your marathon um or ultra mileage how was the body handling it
1: it was it was handling it all right i was oh, following sort of a, a basic marathon plan it's um a uk health company called booper it's it's on the internet booper beginners marathon plan it's four runs a week with a long run on a Sunday. Um, I was throwing in an extra um, a bike session a week, and I was doing two strength sessions a week as well at home. Not, not massive ones, maybe two half an hour strength sessions. And it was going well. I was managing my sleep well and, and training was good. I was tired because I was doing some fairly good hours, but went really well.
0: And so you're keeping up with uh, the lessons that you'd learned from your previous injury and the, what you'd learned from, I guess, the podcast, ticking off the sleep because we know sleep's really good for recovery, making sure you're following a plan, already doing some strength training. So you're ticking a lot of boxes here. Um, just out of curiosity, what was your strength program looking like?
1: So it was I'd sort of... I'd... Before I was doing calf raises and stuff, so I progressed to single leg calf raises. So sort of three sets of 10 of those, I would do three sets of 10 of bent knee, single leg calf raises, like a variation of a lunge with, progressed to um, a kettlebell holding that and doing the lunges and squats. And this one where I lie on my back with a ball underneath me and raise my hips. Uh, and then some upper body stuff, press ups. Um, and I've started trying to do some pull-ups. Well, I'm not very good at those. So I manage a couple of those and that's it. <laughs> it.
0: Yeah, Runners usually aren't too good at those. <laughs> um, okay. And, um, you did mention in the email prior that there were a couple of niggles, a couple of injuries that kind of started servicing when you were training for this ultra. So what happened there?
1: Yeah, so basically everything was going well. When I signed up to the Ultra, I wanted to do one that was going to be flat-ish um, because I thought that would be a good place to start. So this one built itself as, a, as a, a good first-time Ultra. Um, so I gave it a go, but it didn't have any details really. I knew it was from a town to Brighton Pier um, and it was 50k, that was all I really knew. And then sort of nine weeks before the... Start. They sent me the email with the race route and um, and the description of the the trail. So the the vertical ascent was just under two and a half thousand feet, which for an ultra is not a lot. But for me, that was like blimey, that's a lot of, lot of hills. And when you looked at where they yeah. were, it was, it was all half marathon distance was fairly flat. And then it, it basically climbed and dipped for 10 miles, which takes you to full marathon. And then you had five miles of fairly downhill to the finish. Um, and it was also the, the, the other thing that flagged up a bit of a worry was the fact that it, was, it said it was firm underfoot, but the trail is known to be really muddy if the weather was bad previous... So I sort of had a few doubts about my running footwear because I will wear Adidas Ultra Boost. That's what I've worn for years, and they're a road shoe with a lot of cushion and no grip at all.
0: Okay, so you've you've got this course description a couple of weeks beforehand, and it wasn't really what you were expecting in terms of um, elevation or preparing for such a such a elevated kind of route. So what happened?
1: So I thought. I'm going to go and smash loads of hills. <laughs> um, yeah, and, okay. <laughs> that's, we're lucky where we live. We we live, it's really hilly. I mean, all of my runs involve a few hundred feet of, of climbing in them. You can't leave the house and run for more than a mile without going uphill. But there are some really, really hilly sections that are a little bit further out. So I just went and did those and I, I hadn't given it much thought, I hadn't really thought about the amount, I hadn't counted the hills as load. Um, I was watching the load as in my mileage increase, perceived effort in the runs, but I didn't count the hills as load. And I reckon it was probably two weeks, within two weeks, my overall ascent had gone up by thousands of feet in the two weeks. And I started developing a bit of knee pain in my left knee. And one particular runner came home, and it was not so much the uphills, but the downhills, trying to run the downhills that were incredibly steep. About an hour after the run, my left knee was really painful. And I thought, oh, shit, I'm gonna have to, I'm not gonna be able to run on this for a bit. So I uh, took two full days rest. Um, I mean, when I say rest, rest of running, because my job's active, so I'm wor- walking. Probably doing 10,000 steps a day every day, but I took my two days off, and then in that two days, started to do some I think it's isometric holds, like um, flat back on the wall holds, and to try and strengthen my knee, um, and then see how that went from there.
0: Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. So how long until the race before you started doing these hills? Because um, you're saying before that you got the course description a couple of weeks before event day. Is that right?
1: I th- no, it was it was a good nine weeks before. It must have been nine weeks before. Okay. So I was – I peaked yeah. in my training a little bit too early, really. I'd got to the point where I'd done my long run, which was 21 miles, 30-ish, 35, 35K, something like that. And my plan was that I was going to – they always say in these – all the advice I'd read had said if you can get a couple of long runs in – at 70% of the race distance, then that will leave you in good stead. So I thought, well, I'll build in a couple of those 21 mile runs and I'll be great. But once I've done that long run, my it's almost like I peaked and I was tired after it for a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, my fitness on my watch said, my fitness said it was starting to decline and I was, I peaked and so I think I peaked a bit too early really. But so, f- from that nine weeks, I had probably after the injuries, I reckon three or four good weeks before the run. So I had four weeks or so of not doing a great deal.
0: Okay, so nine weeks out, started smashing a whole bunch of hills. A couple of weeks in, started getting that knee pain, that grumpy sort of knee pain, um, <clears throat> which makes a whole lot of sense because especially if you're talking about a lot of downhills, particularly Running low. Well, I guess if we're talking about uphill, you change the angle of your knee, like you produce force at a different knee angle when you're going uphill. And so that accumulates a lot of knee load on the, the kneecap. But more importantly, when you're running downhill, just gravity just has such a high impact on the body. You know, we think of every step that you take on the flat is two or three times your body weight, as soon as you go downhill, that all amplifies so much because there's so much gravity, so much pounding on the ground. And if you are repeating that, like you said, you didn't really count. Uh, you didn't really regard hills or factor in hills into, into your load. It was mainly just the mileage and mainly just like the overall, um, distance and duration. Um, but yeah, it has a huge, huge spike. So it's probably a good lesson for listeners to hear as well. Um, And what I like to hear is one, you didn't completely rest. You said you've rested from running, but you're still staying quite active, but you also um, started implementing some isometric say wall sits just to restore or preserve some level of strength while this was being quite um, annoyingly sore. Um, Can you describe exactly where the pain was? Yeah, it
1: it was sort of in the middle it It wasn't a sharp pain,
0: it was a it was a throbbing pain almost near the top of the kneecap, but deep. Would you say it's kind of like had the sensation of being underneath the kneecap?
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't surface, it felt deep, um and I've had other knee pains since on the sides that um aren't just directly after the run that were very different, but this was deep and central. And it and it hurt within an hour of finishing that run, and that pain didn't really go away for i'd say forty eight hours i was I was bad the next morning and but I could walk on it it wasn't it wasn't sort of it didn't blow up or anything like that it was just sore sore enough that I knew I shouldn't be running on it
0: okay, so talk us through the the stage of like implementing some isometrics and implementing some low level strengthening exercises to returning i guess to pain-free running or returning preparing more for that ultra Um, how did you progress how did you reintroduce your running how did you progress the strengthening Um, those kind of steps
1: so i first of all i wanted to find out what hurt it and what didn't so i tried a few different things like lunges hurt it so i thought i'm not going to do them so i scrapped my strength training pretty much all together for the first couple of weeks um, but straight away I was doing the wall sits and I was doing that countless times a day at work. I would do it whenever it popped into my head because they didn't hurt at all and I knew that was gonna be good for it and uh, squats didn't hurt it. So I was doing those carefully, and again, multiple times a day. Um, and then sort of, I think it was day three, I tried this sort of walk, run, and then every day after that, I was doing a little bit more to build it up. Um, the walk run was, I, took, I went to a field, a flat field, so I cut hills out altogether. Went to a field and, and walked a bit, ran a bit, and the pain was there, but it wasn't increasing. It was around like a two out of 10, so I knew that was all right, and monitored how it felt the next morning, and it it wasn't wasn't getting any worse, so I carried on pushing it to that point, increasing the mileage and, and um,
0: getting back up to some sort of normal mileage. Can you remember, um, it, it might be tough to recall that far back, but when you did your first initial walk run, like you said, a day three, can you remember what those intervals were? Can you remember what uh, how long you were running for?
1: Uh, it was a football field and I was... Walking round the outside of the perimeter of it, so I would walk one stretch. I would walk the short stretch, the goal end, then jog the length of the pitch, which was probably a, maybe a minute or so, and then 30 second walk, minute minute jog down the other side, and I did that for I did that for about 10 minutes, and it did the first time I did it. I could feel that by the end of that. And I said, okay, that's enough. And then walked back home, which was five minutes from where I
0: started. Mm. I think it's worth knowing like in that particular phase, um, cause I, I go through this all the time when I'm injured, trying to find a really light point, a really good starting point that, um, you don't want to irritate things and kind of take a step back. You want to find a point where you're not totally like overwhelming that whole injured site. And if you just do enough where, okay, during it's low levels of pain, but it's not getting worse, and then you cut that run short before it starts getting worse, then you're being proactive rather than taking a step back. And so um, that's a a really nice system running around the the soccer field. And, um, yeah, it's, it's almost knowing when to stop because people are like, oh, I feel good might be a two hour temp payment, it's not getting worse, but instead of going for ten minutes they go for twenty minutes or twenty five minutes yeah. and then there it, it turns into a bit of an ache and then it turns in like a bit sore for the rest of the day and they're not if they made that decision to continue, they're not being proactive. They're not it's now taking a step back rather than moving forward. So um a lot of runners would have it will require a lot of control for them to stop at ten minutes and go back home and then try mm. a little bit more the next day. But that's exactly kind of what we need to do based on the irritability of the, the injury, because then the next day you can do 15 minutes if it feels fine. And then a couple of days later you could do 20 minutes and you quickly mm. um, build back up, but it's never going to get that. It's never going to progress that quickly if you continue just to push it until it gets sore and then go home. Um, so that was really nice. So I guess these decisions that you're making, are these, ones that you have learned through the podcast or are these things that you've were you following any medical advice were you seeing a physio or um, anyone on your rehab team
1: no it's it's totally from from what I've listened to on the podcast and um, I had your email on on speed dial ready because I was just expecting (laughs) that I wouldn't be able to manage it and I thought well the time is going to come and I will at some point (laughs) Um, but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I my mileage didn't drop. That was the good thing. I, it, sorry, it did drop, but I didn't stop running. I initially took two days and that seems to be whatever my niggles are. Take two days rest and then start trying to strengthen that area as long as it's not hurting to do that, that whatever exercise I choose to do. Um, but my for the for the knee that week, I still managed with total with the runs, I managed about seven miles over the course of that week so over the last year with all the niggles i've had i haven't had a full week off running in in over a year now using those sort of
0: yeah well that goes back to your um the lesson that you said last episode was consistency like just trying to do a little amount you can do an embarrassingly slow amount but as long as you remain consistent that's the um it's it's a, a good crucial component of you know rehab and actually moving forward and being um yeah being proactive as you slowly built up was the pain levels were they staying at like a 2 out of 10 and then you continued to move forward um or did symptoms start to ease as you built up your mileage yeah they basically
1: it it, it basically disappeared over the course of i can't even remember probably a month um the problem is we were getting quite close to the race then. So I had a bit of taper tantrums where things were popping up and disappearing almost in within a few hours. I'd think about something and something else would hurt. And it sort of brings me on to the next the, the next niggle that I had that was off the back of that. was. So basically, when we spoke last, I said to, to one of the cures, from cures, but one of the things that helped me I think helped me with my shin splints was the, the orthotics that I had. Um, and I knew I was, after speaking to you last time, I knew I was, should be coming up with a plan to get out of those at some point. So I thought, well, it, it wasn't a good time to try and do it while I was midway through in a high mileage uh, plan for this for this race. So I thought I'll just sit back and and sort it out afterwards. But when I tried to buy some shoes for the for the event for the off road event, the orthotics were just they weren't comfortable in any of the off road shoes. I guess because the, the the running the part of that sole is thinner than a than a big flat cushioned running road shoe. So I thought it was probably not sensible to transition out of those and into a new pair without the orthotics in so I thought I'll just do the race in the in the um, road shoe but then when I had the knee injury and I was starting back from base I thought well maybe this is the time to try and get out of the orthotics at the same time don't know if that was sensible or not but that's what I did so starting with that I just took them out so basically I my work shoes I recycle my old running Adidas, so when they're no good anymore, I wear them to work, so they transfer the orthotics into them, so I stopped putting them in those first, for the first, while I was in that part for the three or four days where I wasn't doing a lot of running, I took the orthotics out at work and actually went barefoot at work for for that full week, and my feet felt fine, They they were great, I was working in a house with hard floors, and I just had my socks on, Um, and then when I'm at home we've got hard floors and I never wear shoes anyway so my feet didn't get too weak over that year that I wore the orthotics Um, so then I was trying to work out how to transition out of those in my running shoes and get into my trail shoes so when I was doing my short intervals I was doing those in my new trail shoes without the orthotics in but I would keep the orthotics in for my long runs on the road in my road shoe if that makes
0: sense and um so you're saying that a new injury arose because of that
1: yeah well it everything started niggling um and i don't know if it was the fact that i was paranoid that i'd so i'd sort of transitioned out of out of the orthotics and i was doing some i was trying to work in my new run my new trail shoe so i was doing a it got to a point I had a backpack on and I was taking my trail shoes with me, running the first half of my runs in my road shoe and then putting the trail shoe on for the last couple of miles and I was trying to build it up nice and slow, which worked. But I started to get shins again. I started feeling them and I don't know if it was just in my head because I knew I didn't have the support in my shoes anymore. I was getting knee niggles, but in different places, hip niggles, nothing that was... Um, Nothing that was definite, but it was enough to put a bit of doubt in my head. Um, So I made the choice to, I don't know what, something had happened and I made the choice to put them back in. I had a little panic and thought, right, next time I run, I'm going to put the orthotics back in because everything's, nothing's feeling right any of the time. Put them in and went and ran for 45 minutes. This is after having the orthotics out of the shoes for about three weeks and the bottom of my feet were in agony when I finished. Um, actually it was probably that night and in the morning and it, from my inner heel to my toes on both feet, it felt like I'd been beaten with a stick and I thought I'd damaged my plantar plate or something from running in just hammering them in those rigid orthotics without building back
0: up to it. So I thought, Oh, there's another, another injury. Um, Mm seems like you were kind of stuck in between sounds like you're in 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 between like the orthotics and in between um not wearing them and so there was too much of a wild fluctuation in in both directions it seems
1: well i didn't know what to do i I was like do i do i need them in do i not need them in should i be Mm. working myself back into them so that i've got the support i need or was it too early to come out of them or because my mind wants my Knees were getting better. My mileage was stepping up again, not ridiculous. I was up to probably half the weekly mileage that I was doing, so 15 miles a week, you know, 30k a week, sort of thing. But I'm, um, I, and then yeah, when the when I woke up with that foot pain, I thought it was like a plantar fasciitis or something. But then I remember in one of your podcasts, a diagnosis of that was the first few steps of the day would be really painful and it would ease quite quick. And this was actually just really painful constantly for um, for hours and hours of the day. And I sort of thought maybe it's just a trauma of the hard insole from getting, my feet were getting used to being in a soft shoe again or, or and barefoot and then I put that rigid insole in and hammered my feet for 45 minutes and it was just gonna take a little bit of getting over.
0: Wow. You're thinking like a physio, Danny. I like it. And it's probably <laughs> on the back of listening to so many podcast episodes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I, I, I stuck with it and, and kicked them out. And I've got them in case I need them again. But I think a lot of it was sort of tamper ta- uh, taper tantrums. And um, you, you become, when you're in those sort of two or three weeks before and the mileage is dropping... You become so, so aware of, of your body and your legs, and so panicked that everything is going to be an injury. Um, and I think that a lot of it, a lot of everything that happened was because of me making rash decisions and panicking about the route or panicking about the surface of the road I was going to be running on or my shoes or, yeah, I just my head was in overdrive.
0: So, how was the body feeling? Like the week prior or just like closely leading up to the, the altar event?
1: Um, it was all right. Everything had settled. As I say, I was once I'd sort of figured out in my head that a lot of it was probably in my head. Once, once I'd dealt with my knee and my feet were back in toe Cause that took another, a week of really slowly building back into it. Um, cause I'd quite, I'd hurt them quite badly. Um, and I'd realised that my shins weren't shin splints coming back because in the morning I'd wake up and there'd be no symptoms at all. And there were no symptoms when I was running. It was just when I'd stop and think about the run and think about my legs, then all these little niggles would pop up. But but no, felt felt mm. all right leading up to it. I felt a little bit undercooked. I, thought I could have probably done... If I'd peaked a little bit closer to the event, it would have been ideal. But... I was, still rack- I was back up to 20 mile weeks just before and then I sort of did a bit of a reverse taper really. I, I didn't really taper because I didn't have a lot to taper from um, because I'd had that period of yeah. five or six weeks of low mileage.
0: Hmm. I guess it's um, worth no- noting as well that... Training for a marathon, training for an ultra, there will be niggles. Like you put your body through so much and Mm -hmm. there's so much mileage involved that sometimes like niggles arise. Sometimes a a few sore spots here and there arise and it sounds like you're paying very close attention to distinguishing between injury and just these general niggles and it seems like, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems Mm -hmm. like you, you gave yourself permission to continue because you were evaluating it the next day and seeing that symptoms weren't worse and um, you're actually bouncing back. Okay. And then sort of took us permission to continue. Would that be right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: you've, with these things, you, I heard another on, on another podcast, the, the, oh, I can't remember the name of it. The, um, that's running podcast The Paddy on there said, we're mm-hmm. talking about tapering in there that you've got to look at these things and Acknowledge them and then just try to stop thinking about it because if you focus on these things for too long, and that sort of stuck with me a bit. It was, and that's kind of what I was doing. I was focusing too much on them. Like, take note of it and then put it to the back of your head and crack on.
0: Um, yeah. yeah, and I was um, re-listening to Rachel's Offness, the um, pain specialist. I was re-listening to that episode yesterday, and she highlighted that pain dials will turn up when you start focusing on it. Like pain increases when you focus on a particular area and it decreases when you're distracted. And so Mm -hmm. um, I guess peaking or getting closer and closer to the event, you're paying closer attention, your awareness, you've got this hyper-awareness around anything because you're desperately hoping that an injury doesn't arise and so that would make you more attuned or make you constantly focusing on those particular areas. Would that be right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cool. So were you confident um, leading up to the event? Yeah,
1: really, really confident, really looking forward to it. Um, and I've done a lot of sort of mental preparation for it as well. When I did the marathon, my... What kind? My mar- when I did my marathon, I um, I didn't really enjoy it. It was painful and it hurt and and it was something to endure but this, I loved every minute of it, and I, I sort of had it in my head that I'd been training for this day for a long time, sort of a year in the making, really, and I knew it was going to hurt, and I'd prepared myself for that. And it, though it, it was really painful for, for, for a lot of it, I loved every minute of it. It was, it was really good.
0: What was the day like? What was the event like? What was the weather <laughs>
1: Well, so all of my training has been done in the rain and and fairly cold. And then we had a heat wave that weekend. So <laughs> the, the temperatures went up to just under the mid-20s, 23, something like that. It was sunny. I got quite badly sunburnt, even though I put sun cream on, but that all got sweated off within the first 20 minutes. And, yeah, did some... I had a couple of water bottles, one with um salt tablets in and one with pure water and just rotated between those to keep my salts up and yeah, my 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 pacing went well, my hydration and my fuel went well. Uh, everything sort of went to plan really. It just it was just hard work. Once you hit those hills, it doesn't matter what you do, there was no running them. They were hands on your knees, you know, you are hiking and that's what I'm gonna practice for the next one more really steep hills and and uh, pushing yourself mm. up rather than trying to run them just get that hiking practice in
0: and the the body handling it all afterwards for like the next day the next couple of days how did it all go no
1: oh, i mean the next the next day i mean when i finished if my legs have never hurt like it the, it felt like all the injuries you could have were there um, the sides of my knees were in agony the bottoms of my feet were agony everything really hurt but it eased i took 4 days complete rest i went back to i had the sunday off work and then went back to work on the monday and I was stiff took 4 days complete rest and then yeah day 5 did a did a slow 20 minute sort of recovery jog and that hurt but then I've built back up since then and I'm just doing every other day I'm I'm running and building up nice and slowly. Um, but just doing it to enjoy it at the minute with nothing in plan. I've got another race booked, but I don't need to worry about that just yet. Just trying to enjoy it and going out with a dog more and and just enjoying running without any sort of pressures, really.
0: Yeah, cool. Last time you were on the podcast, as a couple of takeaways, you had um... – you increased your cadence, which was a, a profound kind of change that you had. The The other tip you said was to learn to slow down. And the other thing that had a profound impact on you was widening your, your stance, your, your running um, step width. Um, as we're finishing up this episode, do you have any other tips, any other takeaways or any other bits of advice that you'd have for runners that are listening?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, all of those things i still implement. I, and and that works well it feels like i've found a a new running style really with 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 that my cadence is higher i was striving to that 180 because that's that was that magic number but i've learned that since then that actually it doesn't necessarily have to be 180 and i've settled around 170 and that feels natural it doesn't feel like i'm pushing to do that so that, that that's, that's really good, and I've stuck with that and slightly widened my steps. I'm not crossing over and I've stuck with that as well. and obviously got rid of my orthotics and, and, and that's really helped. So So yeah, those things are good and, and leading up the only bit of advice really is when you don't change anything drastically ever in running because it never works. everything <laughs> has got to be gradual everything has got to be gradual. Otherwise, you, you're really going to take a risk of getting hurt.
0: Yeah, and that's why it's so easy to um, to not follow that advice. It's so easy just to fall into an abrupt change in some element of your running, which is why so many runners are injured and why it's so tough for, mm. for runners to overcome injury. But I think there are a key uh, list of, lessons that we've already discussed. One, to make sure you stay active. If you are noticing an injury, making sure you only have a couple of days off, you resume at really low amounts just to assess and see how the injury goes. Alongside that, concurrently, you're doing some uh, strength work to preserve that strength and rebuild a lot of that capacity or the immediate ability for that, those tissues to tolerate capacity and, yeah, just a slow, gradual, sensible reintroduction into Um, pre-injury mileage. I think that's really um, sensible. And it's, I know I always say it, but when it comes to preventing running injuries, we can't get that that risk down to zero. We just can't do it. We could make all the sensible decisions in the world, but there's still a little bit of a risk. We can reduce the risk, but it can't get down to zero. And so where that power really comes in is um, that smart training and where running smarter really comes in is when an injury does arise, it's knowing exactly what to do day one, day two, day three, so that you can overcome it quite quickly. You don't lose fitness. You don't lose this running capacity or you don't lose a lot. um, And you're just being proactive all the way. And then you can still achieve a lot of these running goals and you're not set months back. Like you still even, like you know six seven weeks out from your event you had an injury and you're able to bounce back and have a really good day on the event day um that's where i think the real power can come in with being a runner and making these smart decisions and this story highlights exactly that so um well done i know originally we had planned for you just to come on onto the back of a another episode just for a quick you know 10 15 minute catch up but i'm glad we um decided to do this as a whole solo episode because once you delve into the weeds it's when the lessons really start to um, become impactful. So, thanks for coming yeah. on and um, sharing well, your journey, and look forward to what you've got <laughs> in the next chapter. Yeah, no,
1: thank you for having me on. The, the, one of the episodes actually that that really resonated this time that was worth mentioning was the Tim Branson Branston um, episode with feet. I mean that that was a real eye opener with, with regards to getting rid of the orthotics and. Um, realizing how important your feet are and foot strength is it's it's the sort of start of every start and end of all of it really if if your feet aren't right then nothing's going to be right above it so
0: yeah back in the early days i reckon that was episode 15 or something like that that's um yeah really putting it back in um the history books of the the podcast i um um, a link in the show notes to people with that one but i'm pretty sure it's 16 or 17 one of those episodes um so give that a listen um well done danny congratulations um how much money did you end up raising for the the charity uh
1: just under 800 pounds just over 800 pounds so yeah it's good Great. Really good.
0: yeah well done mate yeah your heart's in the right spot yeah your head's in the right spot and you're um making waves in the the running community so well done and uh, yeah once again thanks for coming on who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes and last but not least who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it i look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your run smarter path